And this morning, I want to talk about ways that we can leave a legacy of faith. Just like Sister Marilyn, she has left an amazing legacy of faith. And I believe that our heart's desire is that when one day it's time for us to go and be with the Lord, that people will look at our lives and say, wow, this person inspired me to be a better person. So, you know, as mothers and as parents, you know, we um, want to teach our children to become wonderful people, to uh, do well in life. And, um, you know, there's so many things vying for, um, you know, they're competing in our lives, you know, for attention. And, and um, this morning, I want to talk about the most important gift that we can give to our children and to the next generations, and that is our faith. You know, we all have learned some um, uh, life lessons from, from our parents. Um, I know I have. Uh, my mother has taught me logic. Uh, how many of you uh, have ever heard this from your mom? If you fall off that swing and break your legs, don't come running to me. Anybody got that? That's some good logic there. My mother taught me medicine. If you don't stop crossing your eyes, they're going to freeze that way. Anybody heard that from your mom? My mother taught me to think ahead. If you don't pass your spelling test, you'll never get a good job. Anybody heard that? My mother taught me to meet a challenge. What were you thinking? Answer me when I talk to you. Don't talk back to me. <laughs> All in one sentence. Any of you have had that? Or you've probably said that to, our ch to your children. Okay, uh, my mother also taught me how to become an adult. If you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. I use this a lot. Did your mom say that to you? I see a hand over there, yeah. I say that a lot to my kids. If you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. And my kids are pretty tall, so they must be eating their vegetables. My mother taught me about genetics. How many of you have ever heard this? You are just like your father especially when they misbehave. My mother taught me about my roots. Close that door. Do you think you were born in the barn? Any of you heard that? My mother taught me about the wisdom of age. When you get to be my age, you will understand. And one more, my mother taught me about anticipation. Just wait until your father gets home. <laughs> oh, the terror. <laughs> And so we have all learned some life lessons from our mothers. And that's a wonderful thing that we can laugh about and talk about. And, you know, some of us maybe have um, been passed down some uh, beautiful things, you know, material things. Yesterday we had a wonderful um, tea celebrating our mothers here at Christian Embassy. And uh, as we were setting up the tables, the hostesses had brought their fine china and uh, their decorations. And I was, as I was going from table to table, um, talking to, to them as they were decorating their table, they would show me uh, with such uh, uh, amazement uh, and, and uh, such excitement, they were showing me this teacup was my grandmother's. This uh, the silverware belonged to my mother. These linens belonged to my grandmother or great-grandmother. 
And it was like, it was so precious. It was such a treasure. And, and they uh, treasured that. You know, they didn't want those teacups to be broken. And, um, so, and that is wonderful, um, you know, when, when we inherit, you know, material things. And that, that is wonderful. Actually, this um, last week, uh, we stumbled upon a show on television called Strange Inheritance. Any of you have watched that show, Strange Inheritance? It must be a new show because I had never heard about it. But on this show, they were featuring a story about this couple who inherited a, um, an oil painting. And they were younger when they um, uh, received this um, inheritance. And um, it, it was a very plain picture. It was just a, a picture of a woman standing. And it was so plain that the face of the woman didn't even have eyes or, or nose or mouth. It was just a blank expression. And um, the lady who inherited this oil painting said, you know, this picture was so bland to me and it didn't have any expressions and didn't have any life. And so um, I didn't really enjoy this, this um, picture, this painting, so I never hung it up. And um, they had kept it for years in their basement. And so now this um, couple, they're an older couple, and they're looking to downsize. So they started cleaning out their basement, and they stumbled upon this uh, picture. And they were uh, getting ready to donate a lot of things to the Goodwill. And uh, the uh, oil painting was one of those items. And the husband said, you know, I think this is... Uh, a famous artist, so maybe we should have it appraised. And so um, they took the old painting to the appraiser, and they said, oh yes, this uh, uh, art, this piece of art is worth some money. And uh, he said, I am going to say at least $250,000. That's a quarter million dollars that they were just getting ready to give to the Goodwill. And um, so they said, um, Oh, wow, we didn't expect that. So then they decided they were going to put it up on the auction and they were going to sell it. And um, someone called them, heard about the uh, uh, painting and called them ahead of the auction and offered them $300,000. They said, we'll give you $300,000 cash if you'll let us have the old painting. And um, they said, well, we're just going to let it go through the auction. So the day of the auction came, and uh, people were um, bidding from all over the world for this uh, uh, oil painting, and um, mostly um, uh, they were art collectors. And um, this oil painting finally brought in over $500,000, over half a million dollars that this piece of art brought in. And um, it was very interesting because, you know, I love to know, okay, well, what did they do with the money? So this show talked about that. So, because, uh, you know, you always hear when people come into a lot of money, they do crazy things with that. You know, sometimes we have, uh, over the years, uh, pastoring and, and working with people, we have seen that sometimes when parents have worked so hard all their lives to um, accumulate uh, real estate and, and, and things and diamonds and silver and gold. And then when the children come into that inheritance, it actually causes a lot of pain and a lot of problems 
whether, you know, the children fight over the inheritance or um, they take that inheritance and, and squander it and, and use it, you know, for, uh, for bad things that, you know, it's bringing sadness in their hearts. And um, so this show was talking about uh, what do they do with the money. And so this couple ends up to be a Christian couple, and they're missionaries. Their children are missionaries, and they donated, they took the money, uh, the majority of the money, and they uh, are digging wells to provide clean water to several uh, towns in uh, Africa. And so they, they, wanted, they, they wanted this inheritance to be a blessing to others. And uh, so they used it for something good. And I was like, yay, I, I really love this story. You know, in the beginning, I was like, man, that is an ugly painting. And then, <laughs> you know, the story gets better and better. And uh, then they said, well, surely you bought something for yourself. And they said, well, we did buy uh, a car. We needed a, a, a better car. And uh, they said, surely you bought a Porsche, you know, or a Mercedes. And they said, no, we just bought a Honda. So how many of you have a Honda? Okay. So um, anyway, it, it, that story really um, just kind of helped once again put in perspective the fact that we cannot take anything with us. When our life is over, the only thing that we can leave behind is our legacy of faith. Amen? Because only the things that are eternal. And our faith is more valuable than any silver or gold or any treasures that anybody can leave uh, behind. So this morning, I want us to talk about ways that we can leave a legacy that goes beyond the life lessons, beyond the material things, but something that lasts for generations. And um, a few weeks ago, Pastor Tim uh, taught uh, and, and uh, shared with us the difference between uh, a family who makes the choice to leave a legacy of faith and a family um, who they chose to be atheists. So um, I, I want us to look at that this morning. Um, here's Jonathan Edwards' family. Um, they were professing Christians, and um, we see that their family tree produced... As, as part of them being rooted in Christ, produced great fruit. And it, that produced 13 college presidents, 65 college professors, 75 military officers, 80 public servants, 60 authors, 60 doctors, 30 judges, 100 pastors, 100 lawyers, 3 U.S. senators, and a vice president. So that is the importance of leaving a legacy of faith. That's what a legacy of faith produces. And then on the other hand, they took the life of Max Jukes, who was a professing atheist. They looked at the, what his life produced and his family, and we see that 310 died as paupers, 150 criminals, seven murderers, 100-plus alcoholics, and 190 prostitutes. So we see what a, a difference our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ makes. And, you know, we live in a society and in a culture where faith is not becoming as attractive and as valuable. And I'm here this morning to restore the beauty of our faith and to uh, revive, if you, if you might say, um, the importance 
of us sharing our faith with our children and our grandchildren and the generations to come. Um, I, I want us to look at uh, scripture in the Bible and an example of how we can pass on our faith to the next generations. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, if you have your Bible, you can uh, look it up or we have it on the uh, screen. Uh, 2 Timothy 1, 5 says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So this is Paul talking to Timothy, who is a young pastor, and he is giving the credit of his faith to his mother and his grandmother. So we see the importance of us as mothers and grandmothers of um, prioritizing the, our legacy of faith. Second uh, Timothy 3.15, I want to share one more scripture with you. Uh, where Paul is talking to Timothy and he says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I'm here to tell you that it is never too early to share our faith with our children. We see here that Timothy's mother and grandmother shared their faith with their son from the infancy. And, you know, we, we have amazing ways that we can do that. I want, th I, I want you to know that our children want to be mentored and not preached at. Okay? And, and when we mentor our children, we can teach them uh, the Word of God. We can teach them about our faith through fun ways. I think that you know, one of the reasons that maybe our children and grandchildren don't want, are not as excited about our faith as we are, is maybe because we've made faith a legalistic thing. Maybe we've made faith a dead thing, a thing of the past. But I'm here to tell you, faith is exciting. Faith makes a difference. In, faith has made a big difference in my life, and it can make a great difference in your life. Faith is fun. And, and I'm telling you, I cannot imagine living my life outside of my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is, I find my identity in my faith. I find my uh, reason for being here in my legacy that my mother passed down to me. And if you're here this morning and, and you, you say, you know what, maybe I have failed. You know what? God is the God of second chances. I believe that it's never too late. I believe that we can always have a, a fresh start, a new beginning, and I believe that we can make a difference. So looking at Timothy, we see that the fruit of his life as, as a result of his mother and grandmother raising him in the faith, um, he was, um, uh, he was uh, uh, accompanied Paul uh, on his second missionary journey. So he was very influential in uh, helping Paul accomplish his mission of establishing churches. Um, also, he served as a pastor to a very troublesome church. And as a result of his faith, 
um, he was able to skillfully and carefully nurture that church back into shape to where it became a healthy church. So we see that Timothy became a committed Christian with a deep loyalty to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the advantage, the only thing that set him uh, up for success was the fact that his grandmother and mother understood the importance of leaving a legacy of faith. So I want us to look at five ways that we can leave a legacy of faith. And these were uh, practical ways that I came up with that I experienced in my personal life. Um, these were th ways that my mother um, impacted my life. And um, I am actually a second-generation Christian. Um, my grandparents were not Christian. My mother and father became Christian on their wedding day. And so we were, um, I'm one of uh, eight children, and so we were born and raised in a Christian home, but we are second generation. And I'm here to tell you that all, uh, we, we have seven living children out of the eight, and all seven uh, of us are serving the Lord and their spouses and their children. And that is a legacy that my mom uh, is actually enjoying right now. Amen. And I can speak for, my, for our children. Uh, we have three beautiful children, Townsend, who is uh, 19, and um, he loves the Lord, and he uh, is a major part of the ministries here at the church. He uh, plays on the worship team. He teaches one of the um, children's church, and um, he does a lot of the behind-the-scenes things uh, during the day. Um, he could live here if we let him. He actually, there you are, you're usually over there. He actually said, um, you know, now that we've completed the uh, building, he said, one thing we forgot in this building. And we're like, what? And he said, we need a shower here. <laughs> so literally he could live here. If he had a shower, we wouldn't see him much. But he loves the Lord and he loves being here uh, in, in the house of the Lord. And then uh, we have um, our uh, daughter uh, is right in the middle, uh, Morgan, who is 13. She uh, played the keyboard this morning, and she did the dance. And she also helps her big brother teach uh, in kids' church. And uh, she wants to be a teacher when she grows up. And uh, she loves little kids. She's awesome with kids and uh, very artistic and creative. And uh, we love her. She brings such a, a wonderful personality to our family. And then our baby, who is 10, he's sitting right here, uh, Caleb. And since he could talk, he always said he wanted to be a preacher when he grows up. So, uh, so we do have the preacher in the family. And we keep checking in with him to see if he changed, it, changed his mind. And he has not. And at this point... Townsend and Morgan are saying, we're making sure you're not changing your mind. You're the preacher in the family. And they said, we will help you. So um, we are, um, you know, we're so blessed that our children love the Lord and they have their own relationship with the Lord. They don't have a relationship with the Lord through us. They have their own relationship with the Lord. And we talk about that, and they're so excited. You know, they get to church before we do. You know, they get up on Sunday morning, 6.30, 7 o'clock, and only when the garage door opens for them to leave do we get up, okay? And so, and they, they're here at church early. You know, they want to be the first ones here, and, um, and they, they love being here. They, they love the Lord, and they, they understand 
um, the joy. They've experienced God. They've, they've experienced the joy and the blessings that come uh, with being in the faith. So let's look at some practical ways, practical and fun ways that we can pass on a legacy of faith to the next generation. And like I said, if you have had a bad experience with church, I want to stand on behalf of those people who maybe were a bad example to you, and I want to ask you for forgiveness. You know, we have all had bad examples, but if we choose to find one good example and focus on that one example, I believe that you will see the blessings and the favor of God in your life. So this morning, I want to share with you uh, how my mom, uh, she modeled her relationship with the Lord before me. Um, and, and because of that, I wanted to have a relationship with the Lord. I didn't want to have her relationship. With, I wanted to have my own. And, and so um, one of the ways was the way she prayed. So we must teach our children and show our children the importance of prayer. You know, my mother, she always, um, she's more old-fashioned. She always kneels uh, when she prays. You know, we've taught our kids. It's amazing how when we pass on our faith, we pass it on, uh, you know, our, in our way because we're all different. Our personalities are different. And so um, I tell our kids, you can talk to God anytime, anywhere. Okay, you can be in the car, you can be in the bathroom, you can be outside playing, you know, you can talk to God anytime, anywhere. Now, my mom, she was, she was very particular about her prayer time, and I'm sure she talked to God outside of that time, but she would always kneel, and she would always pray, and sometimes she would wake us up in the middle of the night because she was praying so loud, and we would, I would hear her conversation with God, and she would be praying for us, and, and, uh, asking God for things. And then, do you know what made that faith so exciting? And so um, I, I wanted to have it for myself. It was when I saw those prayers being answered. I knew that God was alive. He wasn't dead. He wasn't just a history book, that he was alive and he was listening. And when my mom prayed, she ushered in the presence of God. We could just feel God's presence in that room. And, and my mom would talk about, you know, I prayed about this and God answered. And look how God, he cares about every detail of our lives, you know. And so my mom taught me that there is nothing too small that if it concerns me, it concerns God. And God wants us to bring to him every concern, every feeling that we have and talk to him about it just like we would with a best friend. And, and I do that, and I've uh, passed that on to our children. You know, I tell our children, you can, you know, sometimes my prayer can be, help me, God. I need you, God. You know, it sounds like a little kindergartner, you know. Um, so I, there's times when I don't want to talk a bunch of stuff to God. I just, I just want to cry out to God, and it just straight from my heart. And if we're not careful... You know, we're going to pass on to our children these formal prayers, you know. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I, whatever, 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 you know. And, and if we're not careful, we're teaching the next generations that prayer is a form, 
That prayer is something that we memorize. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. We don't let our kids do that. You know, they know those prayers. No, you're going to talk to God, and you're going to tell him how you're, what's on your mind. What's on your mind right now? And so when we pray for the food, Lord, we thank you for this food. Lord, we pray that you would help mommy preach good today or, you know, help us have a good day at school or, you know, whatever we may be facing that day, we bring that into our conversation. So it's important that we don't pass on these written prayers, you know, that some of them don't even make sense, that we teach our children that a real relationship with God is shown in our conversation through prayer uh, to God. And they don't have to be formal. They don't have to be these and thous and, you know, all uh, Elizabethan English, okay? It can just be normal language. God understands normal language, amen? We want to make our faith duplicable. If we make our faith so hard to reach, or it may not be, you know what, that doesn't fit my personality, and you can call me a little rebel if you want, but, you know, I want my faith to reflect my personality and who I am, and then I don't want to impose that onto my children. I want their faith to reflect who they are, their own relationship with God. Amen? Uh, another way that my mother uh, passed on a, a, a legacy of faith was uh, by teaching me to hide the word of God in my heart. So that is the second way that we can also do that, is by teaching our children to hide the word of God in their heart. And, you know, I uh, saw a little quote uh, here recently says that children don't come with a manual. Um, I can't remember exactly how it was. Children do come with a manual, and that was the Bible. Uh, in other words, you know, many times we say that children don't come with a manual. And believe you me, before we had our children, I went and bought every single book on parenting. And I, we attended Growing Kids God's Way. And we attended every class that there was available because we thought, you know, we're going to learn how these kids work, and we're going to raise them upright, right? And when, they, when our kids arrived... All that stuff that I read in the books and all the in the classes, it went out the window because they didn't work on my kids. <laughs> you know, they didn't know my kids. <laughs> Whoever wrote those books, they didn't have my kids. And so because we're all unique and, and different, um, you know, we need the Lord. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us, to give us the wisdom and say, God, you have given us a manual on how to raise children, and it's the Bible. And if we take that Bible and we instill it into our children before they even realize it to where it becomes a part of their lives, that, that word is going to produce fruit. That's the fruit that the word is going to produce. Well, we read about the family who chose Christianity over the ones who didn't believe in God, that is the fruit that a life based in the Word of God will produce. And in 2 Timothy, um, if we keep reading to verse 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, Every word of God that's in that Bible is from God. It's God-breathed. It's God-inspired. And so if we apply it 
every circumstance, every situation that we will ever face, there is an answer for that in the Bible. There's a promise for that. And if we take that promise and we apply it to our circumstance, it will work. And I'll give you an example. I remember um, Morgan is 13, so it was 14 years ago. Um, Townsend was about six years old, and we definitely wanted more than one child. And he was the only child, you know, for six years. And we didn't want such a uh, long age distance between our children. We wanted them to be a little closer together, but um, we just weren't getting pregnant. So I started getting serious, you know, when Townsend got old enough to ask for a brother or sister. I was like, okay, uh, I'm going to go to God and I'm going to ask him, you know, for another child. And so I prayed and uh, we got pregnant right away. It was like, okay, I should have started praying earlier, but we were really enjoying the, you know, just having one, one kiddo. And um, so we got pregnant, and we were so excited. You know, we, I was hoping for a girl, and um, we um, shared the news with everybody. And everybody knew that, you know, we were pregnant, and everybody was excited in the church. Finally, we're going to get another baby. And because we're a family, right? So, um, well, I started having complications. I went to the doctor. And uh, even though it was very early on, um, I ended up having a miscarriage. And my miscarriage happened on Mother's Day. And it actually was about 4 o'clock in the morning on Mother's Day that I had miscarried at, in, in my home, in our home. And um, I, you know, that day I, I went to bed and uh, it was Sunday, you know, uh, we were getting ready to come to church. And I had to make a decision. I'm either going to lay in bed here and feel sorry for myself, or I'm going to get up and I'm going to make the devil pay for this. Because we know that wasn't the Lord who did that. Amen? That God does not do those things. It's Satan who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so I said, I got mad at the devil. So I got up, I got dressed, and I was on the front row in church, in that little chapel, on Mother's Day, with my hands up in the air, praising the Lord. And I took the word of God, and I said, I'm going to get double for my trouble. And on that Mother's Day, I could have stayed home and cried, and it would have been a very sad Mother's Day, but I decided I was going to take the word of God and say, God, you didn't do this, but I'm going to make the devil pay me for it. And guess what I got? I got double for my trouble. A year later on Mother's Day, I was holding Morgan in my arms. She came like a couple weeks before. It was, she, her birthday was May 1st, and Mother's Day was like May 12th that year. And um, she was in my arms, that my blessing. And then right after Morgan, like not even two years later, Caleb comes along. So we got our double blessing. And that's just an example of how, you know, life is unpredictable. We all experience losses and, and pain in life, but it's really uh, our faith that makes a difference. It, our faith will help us either get over it or go under it. And that's why our faith is so important. And so, and I'm so glad that my mother instilled the Word of God in me to where I didn't feel like picking up the Bible 
and reading it. That Mother's Day, I didn't feel like reading my Bible, but the word was in my heart. And I knew what God said when the enemy comes to still kill and destroy. I knew that God had a blessing for me. And I knew how, how to go to war uh, and for, for myself. And we didn't even tell anybody. We didn't tell that day. You know, everybody thought everything was, you know, they were still talking about, oh, you know, happy Mother's Day, you know, thinking I, I, was, I was pregnant. But you know what? I chose to say, you know what? I'm going to be an overcomer. I'm, I'm going to choose to believe God that his promises will come to pass in my life. And they did. So let's not wait until we are in trouble to reach out for the word. Let's hide it in our hearts and let's start as early as possible. You know, here at Christian Embassy, we are very intentional on partnering with the parents our children's ministry, we are very particular in the curriculums that we offer. We're not just here to babysit. We are here, our curriculum, we look at it and, and we make sure that our curriculum will give our children a strong foundation in the faith so that, you know, whatever you're doing at home to build a legacy of faith, we come and build on that and strengthen that foundation. And there is a chart uh, that shows... Um, the importance of consistently putting the Word of God uh, in our children's lives. And then the, the next step, the next way that we can build our um, a legacy of faith is by attending church. So this chart that I want us to look at uh, briefly uh, kind of corresponds with uh, instilling the Word of God in our children and also the importance of raising them up in the house of the Lord. And here it shows what we do here at Christian Embassy. Um, statistics show that many families attend church on average of once a month. We design our teaching series to give your children a comprehensive education of the Bible and how God wants them to live. We believe that a foundation of biblical understanding is essential to making good choices later in life. If your attendance pattern is reflected below, think how much your child is missing. We owe it to our, your, our children to attend on a consistent basis. Invest the time now. It will pay off for the rest of your child's life. And then look at the chart. Um, if you have 52 numbers of uh, weekends uh, a year to help your child get a biblical foundation for their life by attending church, and then you only attend once every three weeks, which is the statistics, what the statistics are showing, uh, your child is missing 67% of foundational Bible teaching. If you attend once a month, your child is missing 75% of foundational Bible teaching. And that is something that is taking place in the church in America. We are seeing a, a huge decline in church attendance in the younger generation, the generation that has the little children who... Uh, need this faith foundation. And so uh, they're saying now uh, about 70, a little bit over 70% of Americans call themselves Christian, but they're saying that only 20% attend a church on a regular basis. Now, if you attend church once a month, that's not, you're not included in that. But on a regular basis, only 20% of Americans attend church. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get out of my comfort zone 
And because this is not my comfort zone to stand up in front of people and speak. But I said, you know what? Somebody has to speak about this. Somebody has to say something about the fact that we are not taking um, this third way that we can build a legacy of faith in our children's life. We're not taking it um, serious enough. Um, you know, we, we are seeing now schools and city leagues, you know, now they're starting to have games on Sundays. And, you know, sports is a big thing in America, you know. It's, it's a big, it's almost like that's going to be our children's legacy. You know, they're going to all be athletes. You know, it's a, very, it's a very small percentage of people who play sports as children that end up being professional athletes. But yet... Families in America are placing more, they're uh, investing more time and resources into their children being in sports than they do in their children having a strong faith foundation. And don't get me wrong, I'm not against sports. Our children participate in sports. In fact, Morgan, a couple years ago, she was playing on the volleyball team, and she had just started, it was her first year, and um, she was one of the younger girls on, on the team, and they made, made an exception and let her come in because she's so tall. And um, she, it was her first playing, and she did so well that her coach said, you know, we'd like to continue to um, help Morgan, you know, strengthen her arms, and, and uh, you know, she has such great potential. And, and now this coach was a Christian. That's why, you know, I was like a little bit like taken back when she said, we, it was such an honor. And Morgan was so excited. Wow, my coach wants me to continue to play. And, you know, this is going to be on another uh, league. And uh, so we, we were honored, excited, you know, that she would be able to continue to play uh, volleyball until the coach said, you know, the games are going to be on Sunday. And that was, for us, it was like such a shock. I was like, um, we don't do sports on Sunday. That is the Lord's Day. That is the day that, you know, we are in church and we spend time with family. You know, this is our family time. We rest. And so we had to decline. And, you know, I was thinking, oh, no, wait until, you know, we tell Morgan the news. She's our negotiator. You know, she uh, has learned, you know, if she doesn't take no for an answer, she will, you know, negotiate. And so, um, however, when we told her the reason why we didn't think it was a great idea for her to play, she said, oh, definitely, I don't want to play on Sunday. Because she understands at 13 years old, 12 years old that time, she understands that nothing comes before God. That is the Lord's day. Amen. And so we're seeing this trend of, you know, everything else, you know, maybe uh, doing errands around the house takes priority over being in the house of the Lord. You know, it, it, is the legacy of you having a nicely manicured lawn more important to you than having your children have a strong faith? You know, I know uh, when I come to church, you know, there's so many people out there in their front yard cutting their lawn, you know, on Sunday morning. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> you know, I pray for them. And I want them to, you know, and if we think that an hour and a half, giving God an hour and a half of our time on Sunday morning is too much of an investment, I'm telling you, you don't realize that, I mean, God has given us the breath in our bodies. I mean, this is so small in comparison to the things that God has given to us. Plus, growing up, 
How many of you grew up going to church for like four or five hours? <laughs> All right. Some of us, we had to pack lunch, right? We had to pack the fried chicken with us. And um, I grew up like that. I mean, literally, I was like, I get hungry. Uh, you know, I have to have food, you know. And my, my parents never made church optional. It was no excuse it was not an option. And we all, seven of us kids, you know, uh, they made sure we were in church. That's not to say two of my brothers, they went through their rebellious stage and they would sneak out of church and go hang out. Um, but they came back. So uh, it's all good. Uh, like I said, all kids are different. But, um, you know, and, and so being in church for those four or five hours for me, you know, yes, as a child, sometimes it was boring. Sometimes, you know, I fell asleep, you know, on, in, on the pew, and um, sometimes I was just coloring or doing some other stuff. But just being in that atmosphere made a big difference for me. Watching other people's faith. I had many spiritual sisters and mothers in my life on top of my mother. My mother has passed on an amazing legacy of faith, but she was not the only one. There are many other women in the body of Christ, in the church, who uh, contributed to, to my faith. And I would have never experienced that if I was not taken by my mother and father uh, to church. So we have to model to them, to our children, the importance of attending church. And, you know, we can say sometimes we go on vacation and we're like, you know, we make sure that we're back for Sunday. And... I'm, I'm not saying that we have to be legalistic, okay? Remember, I want faith to be exciting and fun. Um, I'm talking about excessively missing church. And like we, we um, showed you on the chart, of, it does make a difference. How about if your child, if you only sent your child to school one week a month? Do you think he would be a good student? And it's the same way with our faith. You know, our faith, we have to be intentional about teaching children our faith. It doesn't automatically happen. Just like you, if you were a good student in school, your child doesn't automatically become a good student in school. They have to learn their own lessons, right? They have to learn for their own tests and, and pass the grade and, and, you know, take the tests and do all of that. Well, it's the same thing with our faith. We cannot pass the test of faith for our children. They have to pass their own test. And so it's so important that we instill that in our children, that, you know, being in the house of the Lord, I can't explain it. All I know is it has made a difference in my life and in my children's lives to where, you know, our kids have always said our, our two most favorite days of the week is Sunday and Wednesday. And we say, we ask them, Why? And they say, well, because it's church day. And we're like, but you're in church every day. You know, they're here at school, so you're in church every day. He says, no, you don't understand. Church is when the church people come together. It's not the building. And they got it. Literally, the meaning of church is a gathered people. Gathered people. And so many people are now saying, I can have church in my living room. I can have church on the soccer field. I can have church at the beach. That's not church because you don't have people gathered to worship God there, right? I think that we, we don't understand the true importance and the, the uh, difference that being here it makes. So 
let's, let's take on a no excuse mentality and say, you know what? I'm going to discipline myself. It's not something easy. I'm sure it's very tempting, you know, especially on a beautiful day like today to be out there, you know, at the beach. Or, but let's just say, you know what? Just like going to the gym. How many of you, and don't raise your hand because we're jealous of you if you are, but you're just so excited to go to the gym. You just can't wait. Most of us dread going to the gym, right? I dread it so much, I never go. <laughs> so, but if I want to be fit and in shape, I have to discipline myself to go to the gym as unpleasant as it is. I hate gyms. It's like, who came up with this idea? You know, it's like, this is crazy. And I think my mindset is what's keeping me from getting any results in the gym. So that's why I don't go. And the, the most exercise I'll do is I'll go for a walk in my neighborhood. But it's the same way with going to church. It's a discipline. Our flesh may not want to do it. But I tell you, the more you do it, the more you're, you're going to say, wow, this is making a difference. You're going to see results. Okay, now, if your mindset is like mine with the gym and say, oh, why even go to church? You know, I'm never getting out of and nothing out of it. Um, then you're not going to get anything out of it. So it's all in our perspective. We have to change our perspective to say, I'm going to church. I'm going to get something out of it. I'm going to take at least one principle or one idea that I get at church, one scripture and I'm going to apply it in my life this week, and then you will see the results. And then you're like, wait a minute, I want more. You know, when is the next service? Wednesday night. Wednesday night, I'll be there. And then, because our faith is not something that you can can, okay? It has to be fresh. We need a fresh word from God every day, amen, every week. You know, we can't just get a word on, live on, live on that word for, you know, the next, until next Easter. You know, we have the Easter Christians. You know, we only see them on Easter and Christmas. It's our faith will never get strong if we only attend church once in a while. So let's make that a priority. Number four way that we can um, pass on a legacy of faith is by us sharing our faith with others around us. That is one thing that my mother, I admire her so much and I want to be more like her. Um, we, I grew up in a communist country and, uh, sharing your faith was illegal. Owning a Bible was illegal. Um, you know, having church or prayer meetings together was illegal. You would go to prison if you did any of those things. And, um, however, my uh, parents decided that, you know, they were going to practice their faith. So we used to hide missionaries in our home and the missionaries would smuggle Bibles in to um, the country, bring them to our home, and guess what? My mom would put them in her purse and her bag, and she would go and she would uh, uh, give them out to people on the street. And she would share her faith in spite of the fact that she could have been arrested and taken to prison. And she took that risk because she knew how important it was for her not to only pass her faith to her children, but to those to the strangers, to those who need the Lord. And so she did that. And that really encourages me and challenges me because we live in a free country where that's not a problem. Us sharing our faith is not a problem and we're not being persecuted for it. And yet we don't do it. We don't do it enough. We don't do it like we should. 
Amen? And I, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to challenge you. I'm, I'm the coach, you know, and I wanna, I'm challenging myself. You know, I want my children to see me sharing my faith more. And, and I want to be, I want to have more boldness in sharing my faith. And then as my mother shared her faith, and the last thing, the last way that we can leave a legacy of faith is to give generously. And so as my mother would go and share her faith with those that she came in contact with, um, she would uh, seem to attract people who are always in need, like a lot of homeless and people from just broken homes. And uh, so my can you imagine having to feed seven or actually eight kids at that time? Um, eight kids. My mom would always make big pots of soup, and she would fill our bellies with lots of soup. And, um, but she would always have enough food to feed, to bring some people off the street, and she would feed them as well at the table with us. And we'd always say, Mom, these people may not be safe. Why are you bringing them in? You know, and now as a mom, I was like, wow. I want to do that. I want to be more like my mom. She would bring them in if it was a cold uh, night, and she would make a pallet on the floor, and she would let them sleep in our house. And there was always, my mom always found resources to help someone who was in need. And that is something very valuable that I want to um, continue as a mother, and I want my children to know that our faith is not for us to hold on to. Our faith is to give it away, to share it with others. And when we do, that's when our lives become meaningful. Amen? And we all want a meaningful life. We all want to pass on to our children a meaningful life. So this morning, I, I would love for you to take this challenge and say, you know what, I'm going to be more intentional about what kind of legacy I'm leaving to my children and to my children's children, I want them to have a strong faith in the Lord. And if that is you, I'm going to ask um, you all to stand. And um, this morning, we're going to pray. And we're going to pray in, in, uh, as a closing. We're going to pray for our children. We're going to pray for our grandchildren. As we see in today's uh, Bible verses, it was not just the mother, Timothy's mother, but it was his grandmother who also had an impact uh, in his life. And if you're here today and you're a, a grandparent, I want to say you have just as much um, uh, importance in the lives of your grandchildren as those parents do. Don't leave it all up to the parents. Help them. And so this morning as we pray, we're going to lift up our children and grandchildren who maybe are not in the faith. And, or it may be a brother or sister that you have or, you know, a family member who is not in the faith. And I want us to declare, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, there's times when the enemy will come and he will sneak his little lies into my head and say, you better be careful. Your kids may not serve the Lord. And I will shout it as fast as that lie comes into my head. And I will say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. And I, I don't believe those lies of the enemy. I know that my children are in God's hands. And I want you to take your children, grandchildren, or somebody who is a loved one in your family and put them in God's hand this morning and say, God, I, they belong to you. I want them 
to know you. I want them to have a personal relationship with you. I want them to talk to you, to pray to you, to know your word. I want them to uh, want to be a part of the church, to gather together with God's people. I want them to share their faith, and I want them to be generous givers. And let's just lift them up before the Lord. And I believe that these prayers... How many of you have heard that the prayers of my grandmother, the prayers of my mother have made all the difference in my life? This morning, we can make a difference. As mothers, as grandmothers, we can make a difference. We can leave a legacy of faith, amen, by the decision we make. So let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for showing us, Lord, practical ways, Lord, that we can pass on. Lord, our faith to the next generations. And Lord, we know how important it is. And that's why the enemy is doing everything in his power to steal our children and our grandchildren and to confuse them to, uh, to, their, uh, to where they uh, don't get the concept of a relationship with you. But Lord, today we're standing here right now Lord, we're asking for your assistance. Lord, we ask you that you would give our loved ones a desire to know you, a desire to know you, Lord, as their personal Lord and Savior. And Lord, a desire for them to be on fire for you, Lord, not just to know you, but Lord, to be passionate, to live their lives for you, Lord. Lord, I pray this morning, that our prayers will go up to heaven, Lord, and it would make a difference. It would change the destiny of the generations to come because of this prayer right here, right now. Lord, as we give our loved ones to you, Lord, we pray that there would be a supernatural shift, a supernatural change in their minds, in their hearts, Lord. Lord, that they would become curious. They would become hungry for you, Lord, that they would want their relationship with you, Lord. Lord, we thank you this morning. That is one of the greatest gifts as mothers that we can give back to you is our children and that our children would serve you. So, Lord, we give them to you, Lord. They're yours. Lord, you allow them to come in and through our lives. But, Lord, we give them back to you, Lord. Wherever they are, Lord, we pray that you would reach out to them and bring them to you, Lord. Bring them close to you, Lord. Lord, we declare, as for me, go ahead and declare with me, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah.